The Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand Series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. This is Jason. We have a special and fun edition of the RMM On Demand. We're going to look back at a panel I hosted with some of our top advisors with C2P at our recent Mastermind Collegium. I was joined by Dave Allison, John Del Greco, Brian Bibbo, and Jeanette Bajalia, who shared the secrets to their successes and how they consistently achieve results that land them at the top of C2P's leaderboard. Enjoy. I'd like to um, invite John Del Greco up to the stage. Come on, Johnny. Dave Allison. Jeanette Bajalia, and of course, Brian Bibbo. So yeah, so as of right now, these four are uh, top of the leaderboard. So I thought this would be just a cool opportunity to um, uh, ask them some questions and even open it up to you guys to ask whatever questions you would like um, of uh, you know what's bringing them to the level of success that they're experiencing. So I'll start out, and uh, anybody who has a question, throw up your hand, and uh, you can jump in and help me uh, conduct this panel. Uh, so first thing I want to ask, um, love to just hear each one of your perspectives on this. Um, you know, mindset is the most important thing. I mean, I, I think you know most of us that. Any business books you read or anything else, it's really about um, having a certain mindset to believe you can achieve the levels of success that you do and into uh, how you just approach life every day. So I'd love to hear just what each of you are doing to kind of have that you know, healthy mind, body, and soul to be able to approach you know, your days to have the, and achieve the level of success that you guys are achieving. So you wanna go first, Brian? Yeah. Sure. Years ago, I saw someone speak and they talked about humans in general. And we're wired as humans to have a lot of self-doubt and have negative thoughts. I think they said 60 or 70% of our thoughts in our head are negative. And once I realized that, I started to rewire my mind to have mostly positive thoughts. Because I would wake up in the morning thinking the worst thing is going to happen, worry about my family, worry about all these things. And once I practice and stopping myself and realizing I have these negative thoughts in my head, it turned into a pattern of these positive thoughts. And now when I wake up every morning, I'm as happy as I can be. I have a smile on my face. Yes, yeah, something might be going wrong in life, but now I can overcome it a lot easier because I rewired the thoughts in my head uh, just as a human being. And, and we all suffer from it one way or the other. So the main thing is realize that you have some of those negative thoughts or you worry about what other people think about you. Stop that, no one really cares. Work on yourself, it's so important. 
What have you done to kind of rewire? When you say rewire your thoughts, I mean, I don't know, what, what kind of things? Yeah, so when I have that negative thought, I stop and I address it. Like, I don't know, what do I want to say here? I'm going to get in a car accident today. It's not a thought I would have, but you have to stop that negativity. Or I'm like, I'm not good enough to make this, client, uh, this prospect a client. Why, why would I not be good enough? When you have those thoughts in your head, you're kind of speaking it into existence. So work on the process of stopping right there and going, this doesn't make any sense. I'm my own head trash. I'm my own worst enemy and change that. I see it across the board with people and advisors I've mentored is like a lot of their own gray space in between their two ears is what's holding them back in life. Work on your, your thoughts every day. Yeah. How about you, Jeanette? What do you do to kind of mind, body, soul, daily routine? What do you do to kind of manage your mindset? Okay. Um, I'm a recovering, successful workaholic. So let me just kind of clear that. But really, my days begin by getting up at 4.30. I do an hour of prayer. I do an hour of exercise. And then I go in, and from the way I approach the uh, the, my day in my life, whether it's when I'm at work or away from work at different church activities, I just pray that God will send me the people that I'm supposed to serve. And it is just a commitment to me to serve those people with conviction and compassion that come across my way. And the only way I could do that is to get my head and my mind aligned with my faith, with my physical exercise and my routine. And then I've started working with um, the, all the uh, naturopathic physician that um, we heard speak at the Arizona event. And I'm just trying to fill in the gaps and saying, all right, I got another couple decades of my life. What will I do? How do I make them the best decades of my life? Great. How about you, John? What do, you, what do you do to show up and be the best John you can be? I follow a little bit of Jeanette. Uh, every morning when I wake up, uh, it's so important for me to go through like a good hour of physical a, a workout. Uh, I get up like 6.30, and uh, when I'm done with that, it seems like in my mind at least I say to myself, nothing else can go bad the rest of the day. I got, uh, I, I got a great workout in. Uh, I have, I, most of you know, I have 11 grandkids under the age of eight. And uh, every day in the morning, my, my daughter's kids come to my house before they go to school, and we drive with them to school. And that's another, it's like, oh my God. It just puts me in, in such a wonderful frame of mind that, and then I go to my office and my, my kids work for me. And, and I see them every day. And so when I'm surrounded with all that love, that happiness, um, it, it, nothing can go wrong. And it's funny how your kids know you. I, did you ever see the, the commercial when the guy's acting grumpy and they say, give him a snicker bar? Uh, <laughs> If I don't work out in the morning, or if I haven't seen my grandkids when I'm at the office, one of my kids would say, Dad, why don't you go get a Snicker bar? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. How about you, Dave? Um, 
I feel like, you know, really kind of focusing, and I have to work hard at this of like prioritizing myself first. Um, I feel like if I look back over the last like eight or nine years, kind of work-life integration got massively out of control because I just kept putting everybody else's priorities ahead of myself. And I remember kind of hearing a speaker, I don't know if it was here or somebody where, somewhere else, but they kind of just shared like, if you don't prioritize yourself first and take care of yourself, the rest is meaningless because you're not going to be around to be able to help other people. And like, I lose focus of that really, really, really quickly because I just like to say yes to everybody and then I overcommit and then you know, end up killing myself to try to execute what I told somebody I would help them with. And so you know, every single week just sitting down and like, thinking about like, how do I prioritize myself first this week? What types of things can I do for my own benefit or the benefit of my family before any of you know, this other work stuff. And it, it used to just be the other way around, and I feel like I've had to really kind of mentally take accountability of that. And so, you know, for me, it's a matter of even if I go out to the end of the dock for 30 or 40 minutes and fish each day, it's kind of my time to sit there in silence. Many people don't believe it, but I'm a little pretty big introvert, so um, I need to just go kind of sit by myself, you know, and disconnect and recharge. Um, and then really kind of blocking time to prioritize like the family and being around them. Um, but that's probably kind of the one big thing over the last couple years, like to just mentally take accountability of it every single week. And if I don't, it gets out of control. You know, I'm gonna continue on this kind of like mental mindset, but I'm gonna flip it to thinking about more recently, one of a, a really big case that you were going into, right? And you were mentally preparing of like how you were gonna act and what you were gonna do and what was, you know, what was in your head. And when you sat down in front of the client, what were you reminding yourself to do to, and to go ahead and close that big case? You, you guys have the highest closing ratio, the four of you of anybody I know. So it's like, what's going on in your head that is causing you to, like Bill Backrack was saying, I mean, we all have the same tools, we all have some software, we all have notepads, we all have pens, we all have, you know, a certain level of experience, but there's something going on in all four of your heads and that you're telling yourself to remember to do or to act a certain way that's resulting in crazy success, like really great success. Who wants to go first? Mine will keep it simple and sweet because basically my, my mindset has consistently is they were sent here for me to serve them. And I need to continue showing them my heart and my compassion and my conviction to serving them and helping them achieve their goals. And I, my mindset is constantly about it's about them. It's not about me and it's not about closing. I don't even... I don't even know what commissions are paid on anything. I don't care. I don't want to, I've made it a practice to never know what is the commission model for the insurance companies. I don't, I just don't know. I don't deal with the statistics. My goal is to serve every person that goes, comes through the office. And my mindset is they need me to help them achieve their goals. And that is my role and that's my conviction. And that's the only mindset I have because like, uh, 
Bill said, and like we continue saying, is advisors are a dime a dozen. They're all over the place. We have the same access to investment models, to tools, to products, to solutions. What differentiates us? And for me, what differentiates me and for my close ratio is I clearly articulate that care, that conviction, and that compassion that I'm going to be there for them for better or for worse. A servant leadership, and it's the best greatly articulated. John? I want to share a story that uh, just happened to me, and, and it may result in one of the biggest sales that uh, I'm in my 45 years that I'll make. And it was made because of things that I've been doing for years. Um, I had these, uh, I do a lot of business not right in Pittsburgh. I'm from Pittsburgh, but uh, years ago I did workshops around Pittsburgh and I ended up one year up by Ebensburg, which is like 90 miles from me. But it was the best workshop I ever did, so I ended up staying around in that area. And I probably have two, 300 clients in, 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 in this Ebensburg area. And I met this family up there almost 18, 19 years ago, uh, Joan and, and Jim Leary. And they weren't big, big clients. They both had IRAs that uh, they wanted to have safe money with it, and I put them in annuities and stayed in touch with them the whole time. I knew they had a daughter. I knew they had two granddaughters, and the only reason I knew that is and when I came into the business 45 years ago, you went to the house. Uh, I know today most of you see people at your office, and I've tried to make it more of a practice for me, but I still, I still, probably 50% of my work, I'm, I'm going to my people's houses. In their house, when I would see them, we'd do business in their dining room or their kitchen, and then a lot of times when I'd leave, I'd walk and I'd see this portrait of two beautiful little girls. Uh, and it was the daughter's daughters. And um, so Jim passes away about four years ago. I go up, I, I go to the funeral, I uh, help Joan, I put everything from Jim's name into Joan's name. Well, for four or five months ago, Joan passes away, right? And so I get a call from the daughter, Kathy, who I met for like one brief minute at the funeral. So I don't, I don't know her at all. And she says, what can we do with these IRAs? And I give her two options. I say, we can do an inherited IRA, or you can take it and uh, have the money and pay the taxes. And they were, I didn't know this, her, her husband was a doctor. They make a ton of money. She said, I want to defer it. I said, when do you want to meet? She said, I don't have to meet. She just said, send me the paperwork. And I, I like never do business like that. It's just not like my style. But she said, no, no, John. She said, send me the paperwork. Send her the paperwork. It came back. We did the, everything got done. And when the policy came in, she came to my office to meet me, right? When she comes in, Johnny, my son, says, Kathy's here. And I come out. And I see her, and she comes and embraces me. And when we back up a little, she, I see tears in her eyes. And so I think to myself, I say, oh, Kathy, I said, your mom's always going to be with you. I said, so sorry. And she said, I'm not crying about my mom. I said, what's, I said, what's up? She said, I'm crying about you. I said, what? <laughs> she, 
she said, my mother has told me things that you've done for her since my dad died. I said, what did she tell you? Well, when the dad died, when I was up there, I said to her, Joan, listen to me. I'm up in your area. Now remember, this is 95 miles from my house. I'm up in your area two, three times a month. I'll make sure I stop in and see you a couple times, but if you need me to do anything, like get you groceries, bring you things, you call me. Let me know and I'll be more than happy to do it. And she did. She did call me one or two times and on my own I stopped a, a, a five times, six times, right? And so she told the daughter that. She told the daughter that. And, and it was overwhelming how she thought about me. And so I deliver the policy and she says to me, you got to sit down with my husband. He's a doctor, and, and she's pretty funny. She, he said he has millions of dollars in his 401k, and he has a life insurance policy that I don't think's doing real well. So I call my buddy Dave Buckwald, right? And I said, I want you to be on a call with me. I'm going to bring the doctor in with the wife, uh, and I want you to handle the call after I introduce you. So we go through that. And he, so I met the doctor the same day that Dave met the doctor. And I only had met the daughter one time, right, when she came to my office. So the call couldn't have, couldn't have went any better, right? And when we get done, I call Dave back and say, what did you think of the call? He said, oh, my God. He said, how long have they been your clients? They love you. <laughs> and I said, I met the husband the same day you met him. I said, I just met him an hour ago, and I, I, I met Kathy one time before that. But the point of it is, what they thought of me and what I had provided for them and what I meant to them, and it made this sale, probably it would be the easiest sale I ever made because of the way we treated them and the trust that we built and how much we cared for them. What was the size of it? I'm sure everybody's dying to this. <laughs> we're yeah. going uh, to be a couple million in managed money, a couple million in annuities, and maybe a million dollar single premium in life insurance. Yeah, nice. that gets done. Yeah, nice. yeah. Yeah, so I had a mentor since I was 16, and, and it was my Uncle Tony who was a stockbroker in downtown Cleveland. He looked at me every day, and he said, have a passion for life, Brian. So when I walk into each one of these appointments is, I'm so excited to meet with these people and I have such a passion and I'm more excited about their money than they are. And they can see that and it goes directly towards them. Because in my mind, Napoleon Hill says in his book, he says, act like you're going to war. You're taking that boat, you're taking it across the sea and you're going to war, but you lit the boat on fire and there's no turning back. So when I walk into a closed meeting, that's my thought process. Like I'm going to war and what's the results of war? I win. I get imprisoned, or the latter of them I don't make. So in my mind, I've always had that mentality, but it's not like it's gruesome or war mentality, it's that passion. And when these clients look at me, I make sure I smile at them, it's that whole trust thing. This guy always taught me to make sure the client's eyes hug me. So I have that passion and conviction, and I give them such a great financial plan that I have a lot of the numbers memorized in my head that how can they ever say no to me? And that's what I teach all of the advisors I work with. I was like, make it so 
anyone else they ever go see, your plan's way better, you're more passionate, and they can never say no to you. Yeah, I think, you know, just being a little bit specific on the question you asked about, like going into a big opportunity, I think the one thing that, you know, for me resonates is just confidence without arrogance. Like, the bigger and the higher net worth they are, like, they can smell if you're not confident about your recommendations, your knowledge, your expertise. And I think that goes a long way. Like, in 2020, I have a client, Pat, and his company, he'd been with for like 35 years. He was one of the executive team members. And the owner just sold for a billion dollars. And so they'd given him kind of a retention package or offered him one, and he wasn't very happy with it. And so I was kind of talking to him about what some different options were, and he was like, you know what? We're just gonna schedule a meeting with the owner. So I walk into this meeting representing Pat with the owner who just got a billion dollar payout for selling his company in his family office, his attorney, his CPA, his business advisor, and they started grilling me. Like, and, and I think they were trying to do it to fluster me a little bit and maybe try to discredit me. And we just had such confidence in what we were bringing to the table and the value that we were trying to do that by the end of it, we got Pat a $5 million two-year package and guaranteed $750,000 a year for the last three years of his retirement. The starting point of that was they were offering him $700,000. And like the, comp the, the, the story that comes from it, I was in Vegas with Pat and then the, uh, his son actually, and his son and I are having a beer and he said, Dave, every Thanksgiving dad talks about you at the dinner table and how you went into that meeting, like guns blazing for him to get him this type of money that will forever change our family. And again, I think that, you know, I was a little bit intimidated going into that meeting with this like billion dollar family office, but it was the confidence and not being kind of arrogant about it, really focusing on like the relationship and the connection with these other professionals that we were negotiating against. Um, and so I think, you know, confidence is everything in what we do. And to Brian's point, sometimes it's between our own ears that we're not good enough for these people. And like Bill said earlier, most advisors out there suck. So I would argue like you guys are the top of the top. You should have like be, be you know, having incredible confidence about what we all can do to help our clients. So we, uh, that's great. Um, yeah, Brian, just uh, yours I had to kind of download for a minute and uh, even as Dave was talking about the whole warship burning <laughs> as you're going in. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, I think it's just like, you're going into it like this isn't optional. This client is going to become my client, or this prospect will be my client. I mean, it's like, that's kind of what I took out of that. That was, that was good. Um, so how about, like, when you think of the, um, and John, I know you have your, your own style, so you, you can choose to answer this question or not, because it's more specific to, like, the tools and the concepts that are within like bucket plan, right? 1.0, 2.0, like these point of sales tools and concepts that we use. If you were like, for whatever reason, like you couldn't use anything but one. There was only one thing that you were able to use in a meeting. You weren't able <coughs> to talk about any of the other stuff. You weren't able to use it, show it. 
what tool or concept would you, would you choose if you had to choose one? Jeanette, you want to go first? Uh, mine is simple because I was using bucket planning before I joined my own version of the three buckets. I called it uh, emergency money. I call the second guaranteed income and the third uh, growth. And so for me, it would be that one page bucket plan that just explains in one page the simplicity of a very complex financial planning process, but I could decompose it into a simple process and use that as my talking point. That's really the only tool that I feel is the essence of what helps me just, you know, close business because people don't want to see a boat. I, I mean, I see it. I'm implementing, thanks to this guy working with me. <laughs> um, I'm implemented every part of it, but sometimes at the end of the day, you only get the buy decision with that one page bucket plan. So that's uh, basically what I use that one page or I can't live without. Everything else I can kind of put under the table. But I won't, I promise, I won't. <laughs> All right, so you're not allowed to say that one. That's the new rules, I'm making it up on the spot. Brian, you know I like to make up rules as we go. Yeah, I mean, I was already ready for that. <laughs> but I think Jeanette nailed it with the bucket plan. There's no doubt about that. But I'm more of somewhat of a John Del Greco type of connecting with the people. So the concerns and the priorities worksheet has been crucial for my career, especially when I started I didn't have this beard, I looked a lot younger and was probably a little skinnier, but it's a whole different story. So I've been able to use that concerns and priority worksheet and go over that with the clients and make a connection there. And some of the, the things that I'll do is like, hey, running out of money is one of primary concern. You said this was a primary concern, but then I'll turn it around and ask them the question, why? And be silent. Like Bill said today, Silence is an okay thing. Let the people think and let them answer. So on that concerns and priority worksheet, it just digs deeper of why they're there. And I, and I said the thing of, hey, I know you're a human being because you've labeled some of these ones and twos, top concerns and priorities. Our goal throughout the process is to take these top concerns and priorities and make them number threes. I've even had people go through the first meeting and then they felt that concern priority at the end of the meeting when it's scheduled to be done. And they go, you know what? I think Jeanette was with you too, where uh, Tinsley looked at us and goes, I got you guys now. I'm not going to need to worry about these things. And that's how much confidence in everything else. So it, it's been a crucial tool. Nice. Yeah, you know I don't like having to pick just one. I can I give you my top four real easily <laughs> if you want it now. Yeah, I, this might surprise you actually. My number one is actually just the four-step process. Discover, design, deliver, and dedicate. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like all of those other things are just tools that help us like sell products or educate on strategies. But to really get a new client, it's like kind of what Bill was sharing earlier. Show them you're an actual professional. You have a process. You follow the process. To be able to share with somebody, hey, here's what we do. Discover, design, deliver, dedicate. It's going to be five grand to go through our process. You ready to move forward? Like being able to really just articulate the value of how we engage with new clients as they're coming on board. You know, again, I don't call it our financial planning process. I call it our client onboarding process. Whenever I do a fit call, I say, we have a four-step client onboarding process. Discover, design, deliver, and dedicate. You ready to move forward? We'll move into uh, discover. But it's like that inferred, like, 
if you're going to go through this, it's because you're coming on board as a client. And, and I, so I got to interject here because I just realized too, as I'm thinking about it, I know all four of your styles, right? I know what you do. I've seen most of you present and um, you all basically use the assumption close. I mean, and you've taught me that for years. Like even I used to use certain verbiage and you'd be like, don't say it like that, say it like this. And uh, it's just already that mindset that it's, you know, they are moving forward. And I think that, I know for me, I used to make that mistake years ago, is just like kind of at the end, like, well, are you or aren't you kind of asking versus just assuming they are. And then most, most often they move forward. So, so much of it is mindset, confidence, and, and then believing in what you're doing. And if you, you come to battle with those three things, um, you're going you're gonna to do great things for the people you're sitting in front of. And even though my process may not have the verbiage and, and details that they do, I go in there with a yellow pad, but I my notes are encompassing a lot of those things. It's just I'm comfortable with the pen, the pad, and, and my questions, and then letting them talk and, and hearing their answers. That's great. The, uh, the other thing, I guess, we got about just a few minutes left, but, so I'll give it optional of whoever wants to answer the question, time permitting. But if you, you know, had a time machine and you could go back in time to a certain time in your career, um, would be, there be something you would have done differently? And, what would that have been? I'll just say this is not really great, but I wish I never went to college, as bad as that sounds. <laughs> I felt like I short, like it took me four and a half years, maybe five to graduate from college. I wish I never went, because I would be so far ahead in life uh, knowing Jason, so I wish I would have met you when I was 18. Maybe we weren't both mature enough to handle it at that time. But uh, I wish, as crazy as that sounds, and I tell my kids this, like, college is great, but is it the means to all ends? I very struggle with the cost of college and everything else. Uh, you mentioned something a minute ago, Brian, too. I gotta chime in to give Tony props. So his uncle Tony was my mentor, too. So for many years, I didn't get my investment license because I referred all the financial, all the investments over to Tony. And Tony mentored me for years. I did all the insurance. We had an attorney. We had a CPA. Worked together as a team. And um, yeah, learned a lot from him. And he's the one who introduced Brian and I. Anybody else? Time machine? I think for me, um, I, this is my second career. And so um, when I started down in 2008, um, I just started building it myself. But what I would have done differently is brought on an associate advisor much earlier on so I could disengage from the client relationships deeply and then create a, an advisor career path much earlier in my life cycle as a company. Yeah, that's great. Anybody else? All right, last, well, do you got something, Dave? Yeah, I would have bought like a lot of Tesla stock so I didn't have to work by now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, quick round of like uh, 10 seconds each advice for those in the audience. What, you know, what, what parting advice would you give them to maybe be up here on next year 
on this stage as one of the top offices. In my mind, you're the best financial advisors I know. This is all I know. I've seen other financial advisors and the work they've done when people bring in statements, and I just laugh, and I'm sure each and every one of you see it, that there's so many financial advisors out there, and I, and I don't mean to bash anyone or speak negatively, but you guys are the best in the business. Remember that. Don't forget it. You got six months. Let's, I want to see four other people up here. <laughs> yeah, I would say, kind of echoing again what Bill said earlier, you guys are awesome. Go find clients that have more money. Um, I know you want to help out a lot of people, but stop spending time on people that have two, three, four hundred thousand dollars because you're worth people that have three, four, five, ten million dollars, and they're out there and they need your help. And you've got a great team here to help you if you're not confident with those people yet. Awesome. Greatest group of people I've ever been in uh, coming uh, 45 years. I've been through a lot of different organizations. I've never seen a group that, can, that has the intellect, has the heart, the soul, the, the ability to want to help, the ability to want to share, and then the back office support that we get. So just keep believing in yourselves, uh, believe in us as a, a, as a group, and, and, and we're at the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we got so much in front of us that we can accomplish. I think real briefly for me would be to uh, articulate that find ways to integrate more of the behavioral financial uh, concepts and the compassion as part of our, we have a very technical process, but sometimes we lose that conviction, that compassion, and that behavioral finance component. Awesome. Well, thank you all four for being up here. Appreciate it, and I appreciate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> the Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand Series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. At the time of delivery and any subsequent publishing, information was deemed reliable but is subject to change by the time of viewing. The contents of this piece include the opinions and projections of C2P Enterprises, are subject to change, and are for informational purposes only. The information provided in this presentation is not intended to be individual investment, tax, or legal advice.